This week on the Voice and Sport podcast, we are excited to speak with Olympian Haley Swirbel, a professional cross-country skier, member of Team USA, and of the Alaska Pacific University Nordic Ski Center. Haley just came off the Olympics with an impressive sixth place finish in the 4x5K relay. She also has three podium finishes as a junior in 2017 and 2018, and a third place finish in the 2020 World Cup hosted in Davos, Switzerland. Today, we will dive into Haley's journey in sport throughout her high school and collegiate career, and how she is learning to reframe what motivates her in sport. Haley opens up with us about the mental health challenges she had to overcome, and how she eventually found the resources and support system. I love Haley's openness and honesty about her journey. These are the types of conversations that encourage us to improve ourselves as athletes and most importantly, as humans. Sharing our experiences will only help us build a stronger and more supportive community at Voice and Sport so that anyone knows that you are not alone. Welcome to the Voice and Sport podcast, Haley. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Thanks. I'm super excited to be part of this community. I love it. Having more people that are here in Alaska with me on this podcast, it brings me so much joy to be elevating women that are part of this amazing, great state of Alaska. But you did not grow up here. So let's go back to the way beginning when you grew up in Colorado. Tell us how you got into the sport of cross-country skiing. And was that your only sport at a really young age? I loved all the sports as a kid. I went, did everything from ballet to mountain biking, soccer, softball, a little bit of swimming even at a time. So I didn't get into cross-country skiing until I was 10. I started skiing because my family was really into mountain biking. So in the summers, we would travel as a family and camp at the venues, basically, and do cross-country mountain bike races throughout the state of Colorado. When I was 10, my brother was 13, and he decided that in order to stay fit for mountain biking, we needed to do something active during the winter, and cross-country skiing fit the bill for that one. Before skiing, in the wintertime, both of us did like freestyle skiing type of stuff. So my brother was good at moguls and the park and the pipe. And I could do a spread eagle off a jump, which isn't that impressive, but it was for me then. So yeah, we switched over to cross country in the winter full time that year. I love that. Well, as a proud mom whose son just won gold medal at his first jump event last weekend, Doing the spread eagle, I can say it does qualify you in the jump competition at age six. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. Uh, I love that you did so many different kinds of skiing when you were growing up. You know, you, you mentioned that you started racing at age 10. Did you have any specific role models that you looked up to at that age? I think at that age, it was more seeing the high school athletes who were closer in age to me than someone who was on the U.S. ski team, per se. I mean, that wasn't even in my mind at that age. I was trying to have fun and build jumps on Nordic skis and would climb up the hill as fast as I could to go down the jump again. And I think that is a super important way to just fall in love with the sport. But I do think that as I started racing that year and kind of realizing that I was on a steep learning curve, that I could get better at something, it felt really rewarding to just kind of focus on that rather than notice the role models around me. 
at what point did you start like really seeing other women, you know, on the Olympic team and looking at what they were doing? At what point did you start to see those skiers and, and how did that influence your own journey in sport? That's a huge influence on my career is seeing the generation before me with skiers like Keegan and Rosie, Sadie, Jesse, Sophie, Ida. I, the list goes on of like these really impactful, powerful women who are paving the way for my generation. I kind of noticed when I was about probably 13 or so, I'd been skiing for a couple years and I kind of realized I'm getting pretty good at this. Like maybe one day I could go to the Olympics or maybe one day I could be on the U.S. ski team and um, be on a team with all those amazing women. But yeah, I think it, it took a couple years to really realize the impact of those role models and strive to be like that. Well, now, you know, you are that role model for so many other young skiers. And it's a big reason why we built this platform at Voice and Sport. We have amazing mentors like Rosie you know, that spend their time talking to these younger girls and sharing their experiences. So hopefully they stick with the sport or just have a healthier, more joyous experience. So now that you've won a World Cup medal and you're, you know, looking back at your 13-year-old self, what would you like to whisper to her today? I kind of want to dive into the idea of like the role models and mentorship and the community with this, because when I was that age, I didn't have a great community around me of girls that also wanted to focus on skiing and want to get good at it and put the time and hours in. So that immediate community was something I actually really lacked growing up and really missed. I think with that, without having that tight-knit group or a group of like-minded girls around my age with me, I kind of struggled to find that sense of community with other girls around me. And I learned a lot from my brother who, you know, I learned how to fit in with the boys around my age and joke around and, you know, <laughs> do that kind of thing. But it took me a little while through college even to kind of learn how to appreciate having that community and not see women around me as a threat to my results and instead see them like a pyramid to help build each other up. So. It's taken me a long time to get there, but um, I'm really glad I have put in the work to kind of figure that stuff out on my end and really learn to appreciate having that community around me. Well, thank you for being so honest. I think that everybody struggles with that, especially at a young age when you're like starting to get really competitive and you want to be your best and you're on a team sport, but you're not. It's an individual sport. And there are some components of the team aspect that are so important. But it's hard to see that at the beginning of your years. And I think as you get older and older, you realize how important it is to lift each other up. I think that is just such a strong and important message to send to younger girls out there. And that's at the heart of also of why we built this community is how can we build this community to lift each other up? And that can be across different sports and across different levels. So I appreciate you saying that. And, you know, your experience was, was also interesting because at your high school or your middle school, they didn't have a ski team. So when you were in those early years, your sport was a bit separated from your school. Did that make your training experience at a younger age more difficult? Or did you feel like it was a good thing that they were separated? 
I think it's a double-edged sword in some ways. I, I can see the positives and the negatives to that situation. But yes, you're right. I was the only cross-country skier at my school in both middle school and high school, actually. So I would commute the 30-minute drive to my ski club where I um, was on the team there. I think in many ways, because I was alone and I had to be so driven to get to where I was, that created a lot of motivation for me and kind of wanting to prove to myself that I could do it or to others or conquer that challenge is kind of how my brain is wired. (laughs) And I think a lot of athletes' brains are wired that way. At the same time, it was lonely. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard to find the love of sport for a long time and find like the joy in aspects besides training without having like a group of like-minded girls around me that had similar interests. I did on my team, I had a few key players that, you know, provided a little bit of sense of community up on my team that I skied with, but yeah, it was different. I think that's why my transition to college was difficult, was to finally be thrown into a group with a ton of like-minded women and have to kind of learn how to balance that and learn how to balance that socially and athletically and be a good teammate again. Yeah, let's let's talk about that experience and that transition because a lot of the girls at the voice and sport community are either about to go through it or they just went through it or they're reflecting on their first year of college. So after graduating from Basalt High School in 2016, you went on to race for the University of Anchorage, Alaska, UAA, for a couple of years and then went to ski at APU. So can you share with us just that that first decision where you decided to move from Colorado to Alaska, which in and of itself is, you know, it's a pretty big deal when somebody moves up here to go to a school in Alaska. You know, how did you make that decision and what advice would you have for other young girls that are trying to figure out what school to go to? Oh, that is such a great question. That was a stressful decision for me, for sure. I remember that I had narrowed it down to University of Vermont and University of Alaska were my top two choices that I thought I could fit in well. I had visited the team. I liked the coaches. And I thought both of the places were pretty cool. So I remember one night I was just in tears trying to decide. I was like, I don't know where to go. And I said, all right, that's it. I'm choosing right now. I know it'll be okay no matter where I go, it will end up being okay. And I just chased the sense of adventure coming to Alaska because that sounded like something that not everyone gets an opportunity to do. That's incredible. Well, it's definitely adventurous up here. You have to have an adventurous mindset and you have to be adaptable, I think, to move and live up here in Alaska. So Let's take that theme of adaptability and talk about how you did transition from kind of going to like more of a solo sport, you know, not your sport wasn't attached to your high school. You didn't have as much of that community around you to a like, you know, pretty structured environment, right? Coming into a division one athletic program. What was that transition like for you in terms of like figuring out how to lean on your teammates and integrate in a way where you do lift each other up? Yeah, that's a great question. And if I'm being honest, I don't think I totally figured that out while I was on the team at UAA those two years. My first year there was so fun. I loved it. Like I had 
four other freshmen that came in with me that year on the girls team and we all connected all had the same idea of what we wanted to do with our day and everyone was driven in school and in sport and it was awesome to just be thrown into that group I finally felt like I belonged somewhere for the first time with other girls around me I think at the end of my freshman year I kind of started to butt heads with one of the girls on my team and this was the first time I'd really been involved in any like drama (laughs) because I hadn't honestly hadn't had that many experiences and that many close friends either on my team back home or at school back home because I was gone so much and skiing so much like I definitely had my core people at, at school and a few on my team too but it was hard to develop close friendships with people that had very different lifestyles and different goals so being thrown into college was awesome in so many ways I loved having the community and having people to train with and to push me and I totally recognized the value in that right away at the same time was really difficult to feel threatened for the first time in a way I was a skier that got pretty good pretty fast when I was young and stayed near the top of my age group through most of my like high school and middle school racing career so I lost the sense of what failure is I guess in a way and I think that I mean on a little bit of a tangent like my one piece of advice that I would give to my younger self is that it's not failure until you give up on something it's growth and it's practice if you keep trying it and keep growing at something so once I had gotten thrown into college competing with my teammates and with a ton of other strong girls who were really good at skiing like it was hard to come to terms with the fact that I was no longer like the dominant athlete there so that was difficult for me I think a lot of girls go through the same thing right they're the best in their city the best in their state and then all of a sudden they go get thrown into environment and you know when you think about the number of athletes that go on to play division one sports it's very small right in terms of how many people are playing youth sports and are involved right. in youth sports. So you are in this like very small group of people. And then you, the sport of skiing is even smaller, I think, that make it to that level because there's not as many programs. So I, I can really relate to what you're saying. I bet the girls really relate. So what advice would you have for them in terms of the mindset that you wish you had <laughs> when you were going in to those first two years at UAA? I've really, at this point in my life, I just love the idea of women supporting women and girls supporting girls because every single one of us is better if we have strong teammates and good people surrounding us. And I think that women and girls specifically have like a sense of nurturing and caring about one another that's so deep and so incredible to have like we're so lucky that we get to experience that as girls and I wish that I had recognized that sooner and I I wish I could have seen people around me as people wanting to help me and wanting to build me up and me wanting to do the same for them rather than feeling like I was threatened and afraid of being torn down and losing my spot and my top tier on the team you know what I mean Mm mm-hmm 
Definitely. Well, and now just imagine how many young girls you're helping by having this conversation, <laughs> you yes. know, because if you would have heard this probably going into your first year, maybe it would have at least put a little spark in your mind heading yeah. in to kind of feel like, how do you prepare for this? So, you know, you're making up for it now. So let's not be too hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thank you. You know, because also not everybody is honest as you are right now and having these conversations and that's so important. That's how we're all going to get better. So appreciate you sharing that. So in, at the end, you know, after two seasons at UAA, you stopped racing for UAA and you decided to go to APU and ski with them. What were the steps that sort of led you to that, you know, decision and that direction? And did it have to do with what we just talked about? Or was it, you know, completely different and you wanted to go pro and you wanted to make a change? You know, it was both. It was a couple different factors. Definitely the team dynamic and kind of how I struggled with that was a factor, but I refused to run away from that problem because I think that life is going to keep giving you the same lessons to learn until you learn it. So I knew that if I run away from that, it's going to keep coming back to me no matter where I am struggling with like that idea of feeling threatened and the team dynamic. So that was a factor that I had a really tough second year of school. You know, I dealt with some depression and anxiety for the first time in my life, really, during that time and started seeing my therapist more regularly, which I had already done in high school at one point when I was really struggling with body image. So I revisited therapy and yeah, started on antidepressants for a time even, which was hard to like actually do for me I didn't want to admit to that but I needed it to get through that a dark time it's dark in Alaska I had difficult times with the team I wasn't skiing well not like myself so yeah it was a difficult time that year for me I had a little bit of conflict with the coach and like belief in me and a lot of different factors and at the same time I qualified for the U.S. ski team that year so I decided I wanted to kind of focus on skiing more than the NCAA program. That's yeah. a lot. Like what you just shared is a lot, right? Like you're, <laughs> yeah. you, first of all, I just want to back up to the conversation of the universe continuing to throw things at you that you're going to have to continue to learn until you call it out, recognize it and really learn it. I think that that is something that I really believe in. And it is so important to kind of step back and see that context and if you keep seeing something over and over happening to you if you will and you reacting in a specific way that is something to pay attention to right totally and there that whole idea of like the universe is going to continue to throw something at you until you learn the lesson or till you understand it is an interesting one in itself it probably could be its own podcast but you know you you just mentioned calling out your own mental health and like the importance of like taking care of things when you do feel like you're down. Dealing with anxiety and depression is a very real thing. And especially in division one collegiate sports, we know that it's continuing to get worse and worse for young women. And it is so important to ask for help. So how did you get to that point where you said, you know what, I'm going to ask for help. And, and what advice would you have to other girls out there that might be scared to take that step? And not just admit to themselves that maybe I, I could ask for help, I should ask for help, I need help, but also taking that step to, to get the help they need. Totally. So important. So important to do and to talk about and so hard to do. 
is to actually ask for help and make that step. I think I think for me, actually, my parents saw it first in me. Like, they were the first ones who kind of noticed, like, maybe you could use help. And I'm really lucky that my parents were able to see that and, you know, offer support in that way. And not everyone has family or close loved ones that will offer that. But I think it doesn't have to be as hard as it was for me. I spent one night that I remember so vividly, like, out in a snowbank crying while my team was having a party inside because I was so sad and down and like that's not normal that's not how it had to be for me and I think an important distinction for me was learning about brain health it's mental we call it mental health but a lot of it has nothing to do with our mental state it's not something we can mental our way out of or or change our perspective right away and it's healed like chemicals in our brains are sometimes off. And I think that that's a totally normal human thing to go through that a lot of athletes do go through at a time. Our brains are so high functioning and so wired to be driven and to overanalyze things. And I think that leads to some challenges with our brain health a lot of the time as athletes. And we're able to get through this if we can get the help. And it takes some time, but there's support out there. Like, reach out to your coach to to a teammate you trust to a parent or a friend and if you can share that with someone they can help you find the help you need if you don't feel like you're able to do it and I think that just having that conversation is the first step even if it's scary absolutely well can you talk a little bit about why do you think you were depressed and why do you think you were anxious is this something that started for you in, earlier in your high school career, you mentioned you were struggling with body image a little bit. Did you feel like this was something that was like a gradual progression into then this moment that you had in Alaska crying on the snowbank, which is is not normal, but it is normal in the sense of like, we've all been there. We've all had moments where we're down. And the question is really thinking about how did I get here? And what am I doing to really support myself. So it sounds like you got the support you needed. How do you think you got there? And I guess what lessons can we pull from that to help other girls in our community? Such a good question. I think it was a more gradual thing for me. I think looking back, you know, once I'm through this and in a stable place and I go to therapy almost every other week nowadays to maintain my mental health, which is so important for me. Looking back, I can see some patterns from high school and even middle school where I was anxious. Like I I wouldn't be able to sleep before an exam or, you know, I would just be overthinking things so much, which I think was a clue to how my brain was wired. So then I got put into a really high stress situation in college with teammates with trying to perform under pressure to represent my team, trying to find my own identity and my self-worth within and outside of sport. And combined with darkness of winter, I think a lot of winter athletes, I mean, every human in the winter feels that more or less. Combined with that darkness up in Alaska really, you know, spiraled me into like situational depression. And yeah, it was definitely situational, but then I kind of learned more about my family's mental health history and kind of learned that like one of my parents had struggled with depression in the past and a lot of mental health challenges are genetic or have genetic components. Not all of them are, but 
that was something that I kind of learned more about after the fact. So I realized like, oh my gosh, I am not even close to alone in this. So many of my teammates struggle with it. My friends across the country on different teams, so many people go through something like that. And I think, yeah, learning that I wasn't alone through that was hugely helpful. And I could approach it more from a lens of curiosity rather than judgment for myself. Well, I think now, like more than ever, we're having more conversations about the importance of mental health and prioritizing mental health over physical health. But often it's hard to contextualize what does that mean? You know, so especially if you never have prioritized mental health before and you're, you know, and you're in high school and you're in college and you're like, okay, all this conversation around mental health, but what does that mean to prioritize that? So now that you have had this experience yourself in college and you are, you know, on an elite level competing, can you contextualize for us as a community, like what does taking care of your mental health and prioritizing your mental health in terms of that athlete mindset and as a human, what does it mean to you? Like, what are you actually doing daily, weekly that you weren't maybe doing before, but now because you are prioritizing your mental health, you're doing? The first and foremost thing that I'm doing more than I was before is growing as a human because I'm paying attention to my mental health. I... I'm a huge believer that sport is about being better humans and growing as people more than winning and being the best at something. But so, yeah, some things that I've noticed, I go to therapy, like I said, every other week. I have this whole last year pretty much just as like maintenance. And I work on everything from skiing to dealing with pressure, sports psychology type of stuff to also relationships and self-worth and body image and my relationship with food and just anything that I need to help me through life you know I think it's so important to have life support like that but I think outside of that I've learned some really important tools like how to signal safety to my nervous system so if I'm in a super anxious place and I can feel my heart rate going up and my chest feeling tight, I can actually like do physical, there's physical ways to signal safety to your nervous system to get it to calm down and get my brain back into a green zone of functioning, which I just have found so fascinating to learn about. But I've made steps to really prioritize balance to try to stop dreading my afternoon workouts and if it's creating if it's creating so much stress for me to get that in I can just go for a walk with the dog and that's okay I'm learning to accept myself to accept the challenges the good the bad the ugly and yeah just just working on it consistently has been really helpful for me I love that thank you for sharing it well let's talk about self-worth because I think Often as athletes, when we, especially when we go through these transitions, right, high school to college and college to pro, where you feel like you leave a little piece of yourself behind, and it's sometimes through the lens of performance, right? And that can be a dangerous place to be. It's also why a lot of Olympians, they're coming out of their incredible moments, and they're going back, and they're not in that Olympic moment anymore, and that is a difficult time. And so I want to just talk about self-worth for a little bit. 
what have you learned about the mindset of self-worth and that you're more than an athlete? How do you express that, I guess, to your younger self who maybe thought like the competition was the only thing that mattered and that one race time is all that matters? How do you now advise younger girls on this topic? Totally. I think I I wish I could have asked myself to really look within myself and find out what I value more as I was younger because it took me until I was in my 20s to really like ask myself that and I think I would have been capable of it earlier as I think a lot of girls are is like do I value winning and being skinny and trying to look really fit like those were things that I really valued the most when I was younger and at least I thought I did and that's what motivated me and that's what got me to where I am in a lot of ways was motivations that weren't sustainable but I've absolutely struggled you know in my in my early 20s and like I don't know basically since I went to school so from like 18 on until now even still grappling with the fact that my motivations have changed and I'm trying to figure out what those new motivators are. Having this community is actually one of the hugest motivators for me ever now. But I think I think some people have to learn that on their own time. And I think I might have been one of them. I don't know if there was something I could have said to myself and really because people that was always told to me, you know, to be like, like, this is about the team and like it's so fun to have the team but I had never experienced it and I never had that sense of community and that sense of motivators that are healthy and sustainable so it has taken me a little while to learn it I think what I would have said is like if I if I notice my motivators aren't sustainable and healthy the moment I noticed that I could have started working toward defining new motivators for me you know if what was working in the past isn't working anymore but yeah I don't know it's a tough question to answer because I'm such a competitive person and you know it's easy to be motivated by competition well I think you touched on something that I don't think a lot of people talk about but is definitely there which is the motivator to do sport to shape your body and that can lead down a pretty unhealthy path if not you know, really surrounded by other motivations or healthy eating habits and all those other things. So how do we, how do you talk about your experience with body image struggles as a young athlete and how have your, how has that changed for you, I guess, as you went through college? Because that transition, and we're talking a lot about this time period because we, we both are very passionate about how to help other girls going through high school to college transitions. But that can be a moment where you really start to develop more into your body and you start introducing weights and you start introducing new uh, routines, new eating habits. And so did you notice like a harder time for you when it came to body image during that transition? And what would you say now to girls that are like about to go to college or they're in college and they might be struggling with body image? What advice would you have for them? The the piece of advice that I would have most prominently is it is never too late to start getting help. I felt like I was really lucky in a way because I really struggled like my junior and senior year of high school. 
I noticed my body was changing during that time. I was gaining more weight, like my thighs were starting to touch, you know, where they hadn't before. And I didn't like that. I felt bad about myself. And I started restricting food. I started, you know, eating super regimented diets and eating like steak and broccoli for breakfast at times. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I was in that place where I felt like I needed to do that because I hated my body so much. The summer before I went to college, actually, I had talked to my mom, I brought it up to my mom that like, I kind of want to like, see some, like, I kind of want to fix this before I go to school because I, I had heard that the transition to college can be really difficult on people's body image and like with eating disorders and disordered eating habits. And I wanted to, like I had the awareness, luckily, to want to deal with that before going to school in a new place without the support system that I had back home. And luckily my mom was in support of that too. If you have a safe person of any kind, I would talk to them about it, to all the girls listening. But yeah, so I actually started going, I saw like an eating disorder specialist therapist too during that summer before leaving, which was just so powerful and impactful. I'm so grateful I had that opportunity to do that and to deal with it before going through the transition of school because transitioning to school would have been really hard without having that support system and having a little bit of a tool bag to you know, choose tools from when I started falling back into unhealthy habits for me. Thank you for listening to the Voice in Sport podcast. My name is Elizabeth Martin, a soccer player at Emory University and producer of this week's episode. If you enjoy hearing from Haley Swerble and would like to get the chance to talk to athletes like her, go to voiceinsport.com join to sign up for a free membership and gain access to exclusive episodes, mentorship sessions, and other weekly content. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice in Sport. Now let's get back to the episode. So what did you learn from going to see a specialist and really making sure you entered college in a way that was healthy? Yeah, my therapist really approached things through the lens of what would you tell someone else in your shoes? You know, because I think it's so easy for us to be hard on ourselves where we wouldn't treat other people the way that we treat ourselves in such a bad way, honestly, a lot of the time. and. That was a really impactful way to think of it to me is like I would never want one of my friends or someone that I care about to hate their bodies this way or to treat their bodies this way. And it was absolutely not a quick fix for me. And it's something that I still struggle with when I have a trigger or see like feel really insecure about my legs or whatever body part I'm insecure about. It's something that's been an ongoing thing for me, but it gets so much better. It doesn't control me anymore. I noticed in high school that it was controlling me. All I would think about is the next time I would get to eat and my next meal and training was miserable because I was hungry. Like it took the fun out of everything I was doing. That was so unsustainable. But yeah, learning in therapy that summer, like how do I want to treat myself? the way that I would treat others. And, you know, like, I want to be kind. I want to be compassionate. I want to be generous. And those are qualities that I really valued that I wasn't giving to myself at all. Yeah, I, I think, like, 
all of what you're sharing is very common, right? I went through the exact same thing you just said, like as a ski racer and a soccer player with body image. And it, it can be really, really hard. to. It feels like you're alone, but really you're not. Hopefully anyone listening to this podcast knows like you're not alone. And that's why we have this community. You can ask for help. If you don't feel comfortable asking your coach for help, then come on Viz and ask one of our specialists for help or talk to a mentor about it. But I think what you said earlier is so key is like, try not to just be in your own head. And the experiences that you've had working with experts, both across psychology, sports psychology, and nutrition is going to make you a much better athlete and a much better human. So I'm so happy to hear that you have like leveraged all of these different tools to help yourself and have a better journey. And you know, what would you say to other girls out there that maybe just feel alone, that are not asking for help and they're not looking for those tools yet? I would say it doesn't have to be this hard. If something feels really hard that you're struggling with and you have a gut feeling that it maybe doesn't have to feel this way, it probably doesn't. And if you can ask for help and talk, even just start with a conversation with a friend, just to tell them kind of, what your thoughts are, where your head's at around something like getting that out there for the first time and admitting it to yourself is actually the hardest part to me. The hardest part to me was admitting it to myself and being like, whoa, this actually isn't healthy for me, what I'm doing. Like, I don't like that food is controlling my life and all my thoughts. And it just felt out of control to me. And you know, I, I know I'm just one instance and everyone who has gone through something similar has their own brain and their own way of arriving at that. But that was my experience. It's scary, but it, 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 even if it gets harder, it's hard to ask. So that will be scary, but it always will get better once it's out there is what I found with almost anything hard I've talked about in public or to Absolutely. a loved one. <laughs> To continue listening to this episode, please go to voiceandsport.com and join our community for free. Haley and I go a bit deeper into her experience with burnout in college, her Olympic journey, and the importance of mentorship. She also shares with us how important being open and honest can be for creating a supportive and uplifting community like we have at Viz. Head to minute number 36 to get started on voiceandsport.com. This week's episode was produced and edited by Viz creator Elizabeth Martin, a soccer player from Emory University. We're so grateful that Haley shared her story with us today and excited to see all the incredible things she will achieve in sport and beyond in the future. You can follow Haley on Instagram at hai.swirl or check out her blog, haleyswirl.com backslash blog. Please subscribe to the Voice and Sport podcast Give us a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts, and send this episode to a friend that you think might enjoy the conversation and join our community at Viz. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Voice and Sport. And if you're interested in joining our community, you can sign up for free at voiceandsport.com to get started. When you join our community, you gain access to exclusive content, episodes, mentorship sessions from professional athletes, and access to the top Viz experts in sports psychology and nutrition. You might also want to check out other episodes featuring winter athletes like episode number 61 with Breezy Johnson, where we talk about what makes a champion. See you next week on the Voice and Sport podcast.